The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Most important thing for me to remember, and I realize this now, is that I'm probably going to forget. Once I've accepted that, I'm comfortable. Nice to have you with me. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. The program, The Doctor is In. I am the doctor who is in. Not as in cool. No, I've never achieved that status. I was a member of the Latin Club and the Glee Club. I wasn't a football player. Although I wanted to be, my mother wouldn't let me. Do you believe that? The coach came after me. My mother said no. Yikes. Well, I still got my knees functioning, so thanks, Mom. Number to get onto the program is 877 573 equal. Uh, yesterday, I was in the air after having left Billings, Montana on Monday and Tuesday where we shot. We shot oh, man, you can't say that, can you? That's kind of violent language. Um, where we taped. I guess you can say taped. Taped four programs living right with Dr. Ray. And I would have thanked all the Billings folks including Roy Brown and Melanie and Susan and everybody, John and Beth, for all your help yesterday. But I couldn't. I was in the air, and, and I and I kept trying to get through, and the flight attendant came by and said, Sir, sir, you're talking pretty loud. I go, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. All right, I didn't. But I want to thank him now. Thank you so very, very much for all your hospitality, your kind help, and everything you did. You made it work. We had huge audiences, and they were so fun to be around. They made the show. So thank you. Again, the program, if you have reason to call, what are those reasons? Multiple situations, circumstances, people in your life that are frustrating or you have a question about. Uh, for example, we have a call on line one that is a generic question, and I like generic questions. Those are those are fun. I get to pontificate, and that's a, that's a word you have to use. I was I was reading in the uh, a Catholic radio today, and they said once a month you need to use the word pontificate. Okay, so I will do that. Uh, if you have a question <clears throat> about faith as it intersects with psychology, I like those questions. I've written a couple books like that, or. This is something we've been doing, too. People have been calling in to help others in the sense that this is what worked for me as a parent. This is something I did in my marriage. This is some way that I look at the faith that has helped me in the faith. Those are those are neat things. I steal them. I gather up a whole bunch of them. I put them in books, and I make a whole lot of money. And I just want to say thank you, whoever you are, 
877-57 equal is the number. This came in in an e-person, and I thought, and I, I asked her to call, and I think she will, but in case she doesn't, I'm not taking any chances, I think it'd be a great topic for an opening monologue. How do you respond to a friend who says, I'm very sensitive and I get my feelings hurt a lot, but I've always been that way as long as I can remember. Now, I won't tell you what our writer said to her friend. I'll jump in before that and then I'll close with what she said, which I think may summarize it. First thing I would wonder, is this a warning to a friend? Be careful what you say. You can upset me and offend me easily. My feelings get hurt. Just be careful. I'm always that way. That's one. One might say, I've been that way as long as I can remember. That could be a way of saying, that's just who I am. It's who I am. But I think the most important aspect of a statement like that. Let me preface with the idea that some people are wired more emotional than others. That's a given. We know that some people are not easily riled. Other people are. Some people are not easily hurt. Other people are. However, the question becomes, what is going on in your head that you are so easily hurt, that your feelings are hurt? Now, one of the main things that goes on in people's heads is they shouldn't have said that to me. I don't deserve that. I'm not that way. In other words, when you get your feelings hurt a lot, you're essentially saying, I get offended easily. Christians among all people, should be the hardest to offend. We should be the least offendable because we shouldn't demand that people speak to us in a certain way. Now, we can obviously talk to them about it, but if that doesn't make much difference, if that's who they are, or if they, in more cases than not, they unknowingly say something that we get bothered by. It's best to look at ourselves and say, why am I getting so upset over this? Well, because that hurt. No, no, you're not getting upset because it hurt. The question is, why did it hurt? What are you telling yourself? No, I'm not telling myself anything, Dr. Ray. Given what they said was mean. Okay, so what are you telling yourself about what they said? Well, they shouldn't say that. Well, I agree with you, but they did. Well, it's not nice. I don't do that to them. Well, that's good. You don't want to live by the lowest common denominator, do you? Well, I don't deserve that. We could argue that, but let's just say you don't. So what? It happened. Do you want to live with your feelings easily getting buffeted? That's uh, an uncomfortable way to live, and it puts you at the mercy of anything anybody else could say at any time. Now, our writer said this. 
I told her that comes from pride and that she can change. Well, it does come from pride. I'm special. I don't I don't deserve that. What well, says who? Our Lord was perfect and they killed him. That's kind of offensive, don't you think? They didn't just say mean things to him. They executed him. I guess I guess I'm thinking I'm better than our Lord then because people shouldn't talk about me that way or shouldn't say that to me. So there is a lot of pride in that. And she can change. Well, of course she can change. I think I think the writer was referring to the line that the person said, I've been that way as long as I can remember. In other words, that is the way I am. Well, it doesn't, doesn't have to be the way you are. You can always change. People get upset when you bring that reality to the fore because they think you're not understanding them. They think you're not being empathic enough. So let's say that I would say to her, well, wow, that, that must be really tough. That must be really tough to, to have your feelings so, so easily hurt. Gosh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just, I'll worry about that with you. Now, how does that help them? That doesn't help them. It may momentarily make them feel a little better, but it doesn't help them in their interaction with people when at any moment they could have their feelings be hurt. At any moment they could get upset and offended. Why? Because they're at the mercy of what other people say. That is putting yourself flat out there to get buffeted. I use the word buffeted twice because it sounds so much like a buffet, which is where I love to go eat. When I go to a restaurant where they bring food to the table, I'm I'm kind of ill at ease. Shouldn't I get up and go get it? That's just the way I am. I get hurt easily. You have to look at yourself and say, what is it that I am telling myself about what they're saying that I then get upset or hurt or offended or mad or incensed or agitated or irritated or annoyed or irked? I don't have a thesaurus in front of me. I'm just kind of stringing those words together as long as I can because sometimes I like to use really big words that I don't know the meaning of just so I can sound more uh, photosynthesis. So, yeah, when you're getting yourself upset, you ask yourself, what's gone through my head right now? Emotions, in most cases, are not reflexive. What's that mean? It means it's not automatic. Somebody says or does something automatically like a reflex arc that goes through your spinal cord you have to react that way no you don't you got to look at what you're thinking well he puts me down well he can say whatever he wants that doesn't put you down that just means he's saying put down his things you don't have to be put down by the dumb things he says just remember that all right a lot of folks up there and i ask you for your patience thank you for joining me i'm dr ray the wisdom of Mother Angelica. I said to the churches one day, what do you think you're going to look like in heaven? Oh, some of them had absolutely magnificent ideas. I didn't think of one of them. 
And so I got desperate because then my turn came. I didn't know what to say. And so in desperation, I said, what do you think I'll wear in heaven? And they all said with one voice, armor. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. This Ave Maria radio program is brought to you in part by Fathom Events. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, is in theaters for one night only, Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Information at FathomEvents.com. That's FathomEvents.com. that the years between 50 and 70 are the hardest. You're always asked to do things, but you're not old enough to turn them down. I noticed that. It's that limbo. Joan from Chicago, just out of curiosity, is this a Joan that uh, that I had some communication with via email or the radio years ago? Yes. Yes. Huh? All right, where you been? <laughs> Actually, I've been doing way better. I used to call you with big problems, and I don't know, after menopause, everything got better. <laughs> <laughs> Mental pause, huh? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but Who do you want to help I, with yeah, this? I have meant to call and say how much better things are for me. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Who's, uh, who's this person with a psychosomatic illness? Uh, well, actually, it's somebody I had called about that we were very good friends with, and the friendship broke up, and it was one of those things where they revealed that all this time I'd been bugging them, uh, you know, like, apparently everything I had done for 10 years of friendship had bothered them. Don't you love when that happens? I've been storing up resentment toward you all this time, and you thought you were my friend. Yes, and the thing is, people still think we're good friends, um, and I just don't say anything. But he, around that time, he developed an idiopathic condition, and friends even now kind of they think we know. You know, do you know what what it is? You know, we can't figure out what's wrong. And it's like, well, 
he's been to experts and around the country. Would you say he's a pretty discontented guy? Well, here's a clue. At the time that the friendship broke up, his a sibling of his had died. And he had said to us when we were still friendly that he was sure he was going to die before he was 50 or so because many in his family died young. And as this time has gone by of not being friends with him. And him not being dead either. (laughs) But he's given up the whole everything all his work and he was very active so in answer to my question joan he is a discontented guy yeah okay so he's become sort of a recluse and no one can figure out how to help him and i are you i'm gonna gonna hurry you along here dear because i got a lot of calls i'm gonna hurry you along so are you saying what do i do for him yeah well he doesn't want you in his he doesn't want you he doesn't want you in his life right well, I'm wondering, can anybody, people that he is friends with, if I confided my theory, is there any way to reach somebody who's convinced they have an illness and that they're going to die young? Only if they want to listen. Yeah. See, what you're saying is, how do I make him listen? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I think it's going to be apparent. The fact that he stored up resentment toward you for 10 years... And yeah. you didn't know it, and he didn't uh-huh. bring it to the fore. Kind of, kind of tells yeah. you something, doesn't it? I mean, this is this is a guy who, for whatever the reason, uh, looks at life kind of ugly. And uh, yeah. you thought you were a friend to him, and he thought I can barely take you. Exactly. Yeah. So, first of all, I'm glad you found out, so you didn't pour a whole lot of your emotional energy down. A friendship or a relationship that was certainly not going to go anywhere and was getting worse with time. Everything about you yeah. bugged him probably. So yeah. given that, uh, I personally would not go to someone else and say, uh-huh. here's what I think's wrong with him. I wouldn't do uh-huh. that. Because that, okay. can, that can skirt perilously close to gossip or detracting. They may not yeah, know anything yeah. about why he is acting that way. They may think he's fine. And then you turn around and say, no, he's not fine. I happen to know. Yeah. That's, I yeah. probably wouldn't do that. So, if they, if Holy they think, Spirit, just pray to the Holy Spirit. Well, I think if but, they think that he's fine, that means he hasn't told him anything. Um, and if he hasn't told him anything, then apparently he's not interested in getting any kind of feedback on how he can feel better about himself and about life. That is kind of how I think he's yeah. looking okay. at it. Well, say prayers for him, Joan. That's about what you can do, okay. honey. Alrighty. Thanks for the All call. Right. Thank Thank you. Alrighty. Let's go to uh, Joyce. Joyce from uh, Columbus, Ohio. Hello, Joyce. Hi, Dr. Ray. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Um, I I am calling to ask your guidance in choosing a counselor. And my son has asked me to help him find a good marriage and family counselor. 
and I'd like to give you a little history on their situation, and maybe that'll add a little bit to the answer you give me. But my son is divorced, and his wife left him about 10 years ago. Uh, she left him for another man, and she's in a second relationship. And um, they had two children together. Um, I, I would say his ex-wife is a good mom, though. I don't want to paint a full negative picture on her. She's a good mom to their two children. Um, my son is remarried um, for eight years now, and his wife had a child from a previous relationship, and they now have a child together. And um, I think the, the marriage is kind of rocky and has its problems. Does he I think, think that? He doesn't feel. Th does he think oh, that? for sure. <laughs> Two yes, places to go then. Two places to go. share a lot. Okay. You can go to catholictherapists.com. Go there. Okay. You can talk to the folks at St. Gabriel Radio in Columbus, because oftentimes the folks at the station are aware of trustworthy therapists who would respect oh, great. your son's marriage and moral views. So that's a factor. Uh, okay. If he, if his wife doesn't want to go, he can go himself. I have people do that with me. They come in themselves. They say, okay, I'm struggling in my marriage. What can I personally do to either make it better or live with it? <laughs> That's a lot of times their question. How do, I, how do I deal with and endure what is happening in the marriage, especially when the other person doesn't want to do much changing? So I would uh, I would yeah. suggest those. Can I add something? What if I said no? Uh, then I guess I wouldn't. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Add something, dear. Part of the problem is their problems has caused a problem with his children not wanting to come visit the home, and so he has that extra added measure of. Of needing to deal with this. Well, they don't want to. They don't want to deal with his his new wife. Right. They don't like her. I mean, she thinks they're brats, right. and she thinks that he allows them to do too much, and he tries to compensate because he's afraid they won't want to come and visit him, and so she's upset, and maybe she thinks that he favors those kids more than her kid, and on and on the dynamics go, huh? Yeah, I think, well, I think he works to keep his wife happy and his children get lost in the shuffle. Mm. Well, he's got to decide what he wants to do about that, Joyce. I agree. I just want to, like, is there something specific? I, you know, like, I know there's some counselors. Refer that him, it's important that a counselor acknowledges, and I suggest that he would call the counselor and ask the counselor mm -hmm. how they practice. Do they respect okay. somebody's religion? Do they respect somebody's worldview? Would they even understand a religious worldview? That's a big factor. Right. And any counselor who's not willing to talk to you and not willing to say, well, you know, if you want to schedule, you can schedule, uh, then I wouldn't go to that counselor. A counselor needs to be able to right. tell someone, this is this is generally the approach I would take, not, not getting into the particular problem, but more or less the overall perspective on therapy people call me that all the time i get people calling me that say i want you to see my kid and i'll say i'll see you yeah 
Oh, and they're shocked. Well, really? It's my child. I said, well, let's let's find out from you first what's going on. Uh, and most of the time, the parents can make the changes. All righty. Yeah. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you. All right, hon. Take care. Oh, shoot. I bumped myself up against the break here. I thank those of you on the line still very patient. Appreciate that lots. Um, be heading, heading, uh, uh Going to be missing some shows next week because I'll be heading elsewhere. Uh, appreciate that. We're gonna we're gonna run some uh, some fresh ones that I recorded for my absence. But uh, overall, you're gonna be stuck with the least worst. We don't have any best of. We got a lot of least worst of. With Teresa Tomio. Learn and spread the word about the food, clothing, parenting classes, financial assistance that these resource centers provide moms, and not just for a few weeks after the baby is born, but often for up to four years after birth. Don't assume that just because you haven't heard about pro life resources or efforts, that they don't or aren't available, or that the church hasn't been involved. The media, and I know this firsthand from my years of experience, have been working with the abortion industry to suppress information about resources, as well as totally misrepresent or blatantly lie about what the pro-life community offers moms and families in need. And last but not least, do some homework and prayerfully give thanks to these pro-life warriors and consider becoming a pro-life warrior yourself. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio, Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. What are we asking God the Father when in the Lord's Prayer we plead, Thy kingdom come? The Catholic Catechism states the kingdom of God lies ahead of us. It is brought near in the Word incarnate, Jesus Christ. It is proclaimed throughout the whole gospel. In Christ's death and resurrection, it has come in the Eucharist. It is actually in our midst. When Christ hands it over to the Father, the kingdom will come in glory. St. Cyprian speculates the kingdom of God may even mean Christ himself coming into our lives. In the context of the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come is referring primarily to the final coming of the reign of God through Christ's return. Since Pentecost, the coming of God's reign is the work of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The end times in which we are living is the age of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Thank you so much for joining me on The Doctor Is In, Monday through Friday. Okay, got some announcements I got to make, but I have got to hold off on those until I talk to Velma from uh, Canada from uh, EWTN app. Hello, Velma. How are you? Good, and you? I appreciate Thanks the call. Thanks for taking my call. I You're... listen to you every day. Every day. I don't listen I to me every day. 
and I would love to hear your opinion on my situation. Well, it looks like here you have a 21-year-old who is very nasty to you, and he lives with you. Yes. So the question becomes... You, how long is how long has he been nasty to you? Since his dad passed away for the last six years. Whoa, 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 whoa! It's so you getting worse. It's you've been getting, getting mistreated for six years. Pretty much, pretty much. Ooh. Well, but before his two brothers were home, so he didn't do it as often. But now he's the only one at home, so he's constantly putting me down, calling me names, and I tell him, you have to respect me, don't do that, but he, it doesn't get through to him. Well, what do you want to do about it? That's a good question. The problem is, I know he's suffering, him. he's very mad that his dad passed away and. uh, his dad passed away six years ago, right, Velma? Yes. My, my husband, yes. Yes, my husband passed away six years ago. So you, um, you think that your, your son is treating you terribly for six years because he's angry about his dad passing away? Yes, because every time he gets into really, because sometimes he goes on rages for four hours, uh-huh. nonstop yelling. Mm. And he brings it up, and I tell him, "You need help. You need to talk to somebody." Are no, are you are you asking me what you can say to him that he'll be nicer to you, or are you asking me why you haven't asked him to leave? I asked him to leave, and he says, "I can't afford it. I don't have." I said, "Get a job and get out of the house." But he and won't he says, leave. No. No, no. Okay. Well, Melma, I'm at a loss yes. here. I'm at a loss, dear. No. Because oh, no. if you say to yourself, I can't be abused by a 21-year-old who's been doing this to me for years, nasty, nasty, nasty behavior, yes. and I want him to get on his own, which will help him because, as you sound like you're saying, he's not going to be helped by you allowing yeah. him to live in your home and treat you this way, and he's refusing to leave, are you going to say that he's going to live in your home for as long as he wishes, treating you the way he wishes? Is is that what you're saying? I don't want him to. I want him to go on his own, but every time I tell him that, he said, I will never talk to you again. I said, that's fine with me. Don't talk to me. Just, just leave. But so in other words... Leave. Okay, so I'm back to the original question, which is if he refuses to leave, are you simply going to say, well, I can't do anything about it, he refuses to leave? No, I am thinking that if it, uh, at one time, if it's really bad, I might call the police to come and remove him from the home. Well, you have that right as a parent. And my my guess would be, this from having seen this many times, that even though you're quote-unquote worried about how he will make it, 
you'll get to a point where you just simply can't take it anymore. You're so miserable. You're so mistreated that you'll you'll call the cops. Would be my guess. You've probably gotten very close to it a couple times already, have you not? Oh yes, yes. Sure. And but he laughed at me. He said, "Oh, what are they gonna do? I've seen my friends put holes in the walls and do a worse uh-huh. than that." Uh-huh. So you should be grateful, Mom, that I haven't put any holes in your walls, right? That's what he said. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> well, Velma, I'll tell you not if funny. you're if you're asking me what you can say to your son to make him be a respectful, cooperative 21-year-old in your home, I'm going to say you have probably come from every direction you could possibly come from. Uh, Apparently, he just wants to live there under his terms and to treat you any way he wishes to treat you. So, if, in fact, you say... Well, I've decided the next time he goes crazy on me, I have to call the cops. That's, uh, it's uh, abuse. It's, there, there is a term um, that the police have oftentimes told me about this, which is um, a certain kind of domestic violence. And that's serious. And he won't get away with that. The police will do something about it. They'll first time around they may give him a warning, but the second time around they'll come and probably actively remove him from your home. So those are decisions you have to make. I can't tell you to do that. That's those are your decisions, your mom. But I gotta believe at some point, unless he changes direction, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get uh, to the point where you you finally do that. Thank you, Velma. Thank you very much for the call. Okay, uh, where are we at here? You know, I just, I just got this. I'll share this with you. Um, wow. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to take care of that a little bit later. Uh, yeah, I got time. I got time here. Uh, where, where are we at? Let's go to Trish. Trish from, uh, Trish is from Buffalo. I, on the other hand, am from People. Um, but she has a third child who is rocking her world uh, at the age of three. That is, she's like, "Oh, my first two didn't do this." Oh my! Hi, Trish. <laughs> Hi, Doctor Ray. <laughs> and of course, I've been listening to you for a long time. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I cannot call Doctor Ray and be like, my three-year-old's not listening." But <laughs> at this point, I'm like. I don't know what else to do for this poor little girl. I love her desperately. She is wonderful and spirited, and I get so many compliments when she goes to her preschool about her. Hi, Trish. Wait, hold on. Hold on a second. Just out of of my own curiosity. Just out of my own curiosity. This is a version that I hear from parents a lot. They'll say, all right, here's what's happening. It's all really, really, really ugly, but I'm giving you the wrong impression because let me tell you how wonderful they are. So... (laughs) <laughs> Just out of curiosity, my dear, why did you feel necessary to tell me how much you loved your daughter and how sweet she is and how wonderful she is before you then said, I can't take her? <laughs> I'm just curious. Probably because, probably because I feel bad that this is happening because I'm not understanding. I guess I maybe have some idea, but I'm not... 100% sure, and I, I have run out of tools to help All her. Right. I don't know how to Got it. get her to understand it. It came, you know, she she actually goes after my well, you're gonna get cut off. You're going to get cut off by the music here, so stay there, Trish. When we come back, 
you and I will uh, try to outsmart a three-year-old. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I Can't Get No Satisfaction is a popular song, but it could be a summary of our life on earth. In the book of Genesis, we hear that we're made in the image and likeness of God. That means that we can know the truth and we can choose to do good to others. We can love. It comes to fulfillment in the Sermon on the Mount where we hear these Beatitudes. It's the standard of the Christian life. Jesus tells us that if we hear what he says and do what he tells us to do, we will be like wise people who build our house on solid rock. But we make progress towards happiness and blessedness by our actions, and it starts with our interior disposition, what we want to choose. Do you and I hunger and thirst for those things that will lead us to happiness and to God? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. In Christ, we suffer, but it's a suffering that can bear much fruit. Our God can bring good out of the suffering caused by evil. God permits evil, and from the suffering caused by evil, He creates a reality greater than that which could have existed without the possibility of evil entering human experience. In Christ, suffering is fruitful. Those members of the body of Christ who are fruitless are removed. It's dead wood, and that's suffering. But even those members of the body of Christ who are fruitful are pruned, they're trimmed, Daddy squeezes and sometimes spanks in order that we would be more fruitful. Jesus again says, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. to have you with me, Dr. Ray Garendi. Appreciate it so very, very much. I'm talking to Trish, young mom. Uh, sounds like the oldest is five there, Trish, right? And then you got the three-year-old and uh, uh, a little, no. A little, no? My oldest is seven, so I have a seven-year-old boy, a five-year-old boy, and then my three-year-old, and then I have a ten-month-old girl. Okay, well. So, I have four. Now, why is it that these little meltdowns of your three-year-old are so shell-shocking to you? I guess they're not specifically, but maybe I just, every time she does it, like, I I don't know. I just don't understand why. I don't know. I mean, I guess she's three. So I well, there it is. You just gave the explanation. Trish, you just gave the explanation. <laughs> I was going to say that, but you said it for me. She's she's not only three, but she is who she is. You know, maybe your seven right. and five year old didn't have this kind of trip switch temper. Okay, that's right. They didn't. You got a couple of freebies in there, um, yeah. but this one does. Now you said an interesting right. thing. You said punishments have not phased her. Right now, by that I think what you're saying is she hasn't really changed her behavior all that much correct right 
All right. Correct. Now, now, pretty much every parent who comes into my office who is struggling in disciplining a child says some variant of that. We've tried everything. Nothing works. Punishments don't work. Nothing's making any progress. They'll say that. Now, there are multiple responses to that, but here are some of the most common ones, okay? First of all, they underestimate what they need to do. For example, your little three-year-old, is she close to four, by the way? I guess so. Yeah, she's going to be four in March, March 18th. All right, about halfway. So you could, after one of these meltdowns, for the next five things that she asks for, you could say, oh, honey, I would love to give you that, but not after that big fit you just threw. Okay, you could do that. Now, my mm-hmm. guess is you haven't done anything with that kind of weight behind it. You've tried to make her sit on the steps for a few minutes or something like that. And and that's really yeah. nothing. That's nothing. That That's right. throwing ping pong balls off the hull of a battleship for the impact you're having. Because right. she's three and she melts down. Okay, so you're going to have to put a little more oomph to it. Secondly, you're probably not doing it anywhere near as much as you think you are. You probably do it when it gets really ugly. But there are, yeah, there are yeah, there's probably a lot of times she does it and she doesn't, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Okay, okay, okay. So I'll just ignore it. I'll just ignore it. She's not, I mean, she's not throwing bricks. She's not throwing bricks. She's just kind of crying and fitting and throwing herself down. Okay, I can walk away. And that's okay. You can do that. There's nothing nothing problematic about that. But what's happening is she can't make the distinction between when she gets punished and when she doesn't. It's like I can throw a fit meltdown and mom won't do anything, but then I can throw a fit meltdown and then do this and mom does something. So I would say any any kind of fit you're going to do something about whether you're going to sit her or use the next uh, five consequences. Now here's the, here's the third reason. If it hasn't it has phased her, and here's why. You try not doing this once, and see how much more often those fits come. Parents will say that. They'll say, well, you know, we're not making any progress. I go, yeah, you are. Because if you don't do this, you would be regressing. It would get worse. Okay. The other thing is, this is the big one. She is only three, and and this is going to be a lifelong teaching. She yeah. may not throw herself on the floor when she's nine, but she may do something like snot off or whatever, and you'll have to deal with it. Do you, yeah. Trish, do you go to confession? Yes, I okay. do. Now, I'm going to assume that you never tell the priest a sin that you've told him before. <laughs> right. I wish. Now, are you older than three? Yes. <laughs> so how come you're still doing it, Trish? Come on. I know. When are you going to learn? <laughs> See, and you look at your little true. three-year-old daughter and you say, well, look, it's not getting any better. I go, yeah, well, Trish, uh, how come you're not getting any better? It's true. Yeah. So you're going to have to be a little more firm about it. You're going to have to be a little more often about it. And you recognize it could it goes it could go slow. She could be just an emotional kid and uh you won't get this conquered till she's 5. But you'll get it conquered. It'll just take a while. Yeah. We did that with my son. We we adopted my son at age 4. 
Very undisciplined. Very undisciplined. And my wife asked me, Ray, can you please study John and and help me to understand the triggers? You know, when will he throw one of these fits? I said, okay, I'm, I'm highly trained. I'll do this. So a week later, I said, honey, I think I got it. I figured it out. I know when John is going to throw a fit. She goes, when? I go, when he's breathing. So... <laughs> We used the we used the five consequence thing with John, you know. Oh, Johnny, we would have loved to have given you that that ice cream, but not after a meltdown like that. Can't give you ice cream. Oh, Johnny, we would have let you go outside, but not after a fit like that. Mm-hmm. How long do you think we had to really do that, Trish, before we finally got to a point where those fits were few and far between? I mean, for a, a year, five, for it was a year, old, probably a little while. It was for a, a year. Time. It was a year. Oh, a year. Okay. Yeah, that's a long time. That's what I would think. It sure is, because most parents by then would go, oh, come on, nothing's happening here. He eventually got it. He got old enough to have a little more self-control and get past some of the ways that he knew his first four years of life. All righty, my dear. Let me know. Do you you have my book, Discipline That Lasts a Lifetime? Yes, I do, and I didn't finish it. Uh-huh. I keep getting encouraged to That's continue re- reading it. it. I and knew I'm like, it. I know I have to read it. Maybe I'll just call Dr. Ray instead. Yeah. Wait, I'm going to call Dr. Ray and talk to him for five minutes when he's got a 300-page book here <laughs> on how to deal with discipline. Uh, I don't want to read. I don't want to have to read. I'll just call him and talk. That's right. <laughs> hey, bless you, Trish. God, you got a wonderful family. You got four kids. You are definitely past the point where society now will abuse you. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> the truth. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. This is Dr. Ray. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Does your brain appreciate stained glass for more than its beauty? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Early Christians couldn't read or write for the most part. Stained glass windows placed in newer church buildings became Bible teachers. These beautiful works of art inspired and highlighted various Bible stories. According to a study from the University of Waterloo, it isn't just our ancient relatives who enjoyed the symbolism of Christian art. Our brains prefer symbols to words. I know, I'm a visual thinker. Let's face it, we can learn from symbols and we can remember more about what we have seen according to the research. Solid visuals can also help us understand abstract concepts. Maybe you relate to visual thinking too. Catholics often practice visio divina, praying with or focused on art. Think of how an illustrated children's Bible makes the job of explaining Holy Scripture and God's plan for us so much easier. For more on this, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. 
rule is, if you don't get on, call back in the future, and you will be first up. Kevin from Florida has a 20-year-old son uh, whose brother passed away. Hi, Kevin. Hey. Uh, I almost said father. I talked to Father Mitch Brockwell yesterday. I appreciate it, Doctor. I really uh, enjoy and uh, have learned from your uh, great wisdom. Um, so it was actually my 31-year-old son. Well, he would be 32 now. Died of a drug overdose last April 29th. And I'm sort of so far holding it together. Um, we're all still grieving. And I have three children, including him. Thank God I have three grandchildren, too. Um, my daughter is a civil engineer over in Orlando. She's she's a, an angel. She keeps in touch with me every day. Well, she's a girl. She's my daughter. But my younger son, who has his own business, by the way, and he has two of those three grandchildren, um, I must remember that he's very busy and he's got a lot of anxiety and he's still grieving. And I don't think he has any kind of, uh, he's a tough guy. You know, he doesn't have a counselor or a spiritual advisor. He doesn't go to mass, even though he's Catholic. And so it is. And my problem is it's kind of selfish, but it literally has gotten worse. Our communication and he gets angry with me when I call him too much. Um, there was a time up until six, eight, ten, a year or so ago that we would go out to dinner a lot. Now it's it gets expensive, but also it's just it's the, the communication is less, and I'm learning that it's probably him grieving, uh, Ray. But um, how long ago did your son pass away, away, Kevin? How long ago did your What's son that? pass away? How long ago did your son pass away? It was April 29th, twenty twenty-two. Okay, so a year and a half ago. Yeah, I'm um, working on. I'm in a grief group too. Sure. Um, it may be. I guess I'm I'm having a hard time connecting the dots here because it sounds like you upset him when you call him and try to support him and try to help him. He doesn't like that, uh, and you're well, thinking. That part of his agitation is his grief, but could part of his agitation be what you said, which is he's got a job, he's got a company, he's feeling the stress, his his life is kind of moving out of control for him. Could that be part of it rather than just the grief? I yeah, you're right. Well, uh, excuse me, Ray, Doctor Ray. Um, I'm needy. I've always been that way. I'm in recovery. I've got. Seven years, nine months, and a couple of weeks clean and sober. And I'm very proud of that. I count the days, actually, every day. I got 2,840 days today. But I know that those shortcomings, and I imagine you're aware of recovery and a lot of what, what we talk about and what it's about. I have shortcomings, and uh, which are equivalent to uh, they call character defects. And one of them is I'm needy. You know, it's all about me. And your the son doesn't. Your son me. doesn't like that. Yeah. So here, here's my suggestion: when I'm, you call him, I'm the kid. A lot of times, when Ray, you call him, back off on that. 
you know you're turning him off. He doesn't want to hear it. He probably has less contact with you. Or if you do call him, the phone conversations are shorter and shorter. So Very short. Take the signal, Kevin. Take the signal. That kind of neediness bothers him. Okay. Well, you could do something about right. that. You can just say, okay, I'm ask him about his job, ask him about the business. Um, you can talk about a million other things other than what's going on with you emotionally, other than you trying to deal with your son's loss, all that. That bothers your son, it sounds like. So, oh, sure. so if you're saying, how can I connect with my son a little more smoothly, it's going to be up to you. You're going to have to be the one that backs off on, uh, as he sees it, uh, Dad, uh, come on, Dad, you, you, this is getting to me. Your your conversations are downers, Dad. I don't want to have a downer conversation. And he even tells me that, Ray. It's almost like when I think about it, and I'm talking, talking to you for this three or four or five minutes now, I'm really unconsciously asking you, or whoever it was, but it's you, to validate what I've heard before. He'll even tell me that. He said, Dad, back off. I'll say, what What do I need to do? What have I done? And I really haven't done anything. I've heard him, but I'm bothering him. I bug people. Well, you might be doing too much self-talk, too much oh, woe is me talk. Right. And if that's happening, you start monitoring yourself a little more, little more closely on that. Kevin, I got to run, but I do thank you for the call, my friend. Nancy from Columbus. Hi, Nancy. Sorry. So very sorry to hear about your daughter. Nancy, there you go. Yeah. I'm so very sorry to hear about your daughter. That is a very cruel disease. Yes, it is. And it's hard for me to watch her. One of the things that you're worried about is how will she be taken care of if you're not here? No, um, no, her husband is doing a good job at it. It's it sort of that we're so close, and I wonder about what I'll do when she's not here. Uh, I understand. Okay. Well, you will grieve, for sure. But the one thing I, I don't want you to have, and this, this will magnify your grief if you do this, if you feel guilty because you think you didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't even know if you're wrestling with that already, are you? Um, I'm trying not to, but I just went through my husband had six years. He had Alzheimer's. So I went through six years and now her. Well, you've got, my... a, you've got a load on your plate. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's interesting, and I've noticed this as I've gotten older, as I've gotten older, it is it is the natural course of life that more and more of the people who are dear to me in my age or slightly younger uh, are suffering. Illness, death, these things happen. You know, when I'm not 30 anymore. Uh, please call back, Nancy. The, the clock has shut my mouth, which people probably love the clock. Walk with God always. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. 
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.